There's no doubt with all the information from the NFL, pro sports, soccer, concussions are in the news. And there's good reason for it. It's certainly something that many people are afraid of, something many people are dealing with. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I have a very special guest with me today. It's Dr. Michael Lewis. He's founder of the Brain Health Education and Research Institute. He's also author of a new book, When Brains Collide, What Every Athlete and Parent Should Know About the Prevention and Treatment of Concussions and Head Injuries. First of all, Dr. Lewis, welcome to the program. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, it's a pleasure to join you this evening. Of course, our show is basically directed at physicians and physicians who are dealing with this entire concussion issue. Certainly, even a decade ago, it was something that people knew about, but they really weren't aware of the long-term complications. Maybe you can bring us up a little bit to speed about the importance of concussions and the fact that they do really occur quite a bit, especially in sports. Well, they really do. And, um, you know, we have 44 or 45 million kids that are playing organized sports every year. And of those kids, two to three million of them every year sustain some form of a head injury, concussion, or it could be worse. And overall, it's estimated up to four and a half million traumatic brain injuries, including concussions, occur throughout our entire population. So the old and the young tend to be more at risk for different reasons. The young, because their heads are bigger than their bodies and they don't have the coordination and they're more risk takers so you know they're on the playground and so on so it's a big problem and when we talk about 70 to 80 percent of everybody gets better you know within a month that still leaves 30 percent of a couple of million people and that's a lot of people that aren't getting better even after a month well i thought you know part of what you've written is that a concussion unfolds in two phases the first phase being the primary injury and then there's the secondary phase, which a lot of people don't think about. Maybe we can talk a little about those phases of a concussion as, as you describe. Well, I mean, the primary injury is the, the obvious one. You slip on the ice and you hit your head or a collision on a sport field. You know, and, and when you and I were kids, you know, you saw stars and, you know, like shake it off, get back in the game. Well, that's about the worst thing that we could do now that we understand the science behind it a little bit better. And so, the you know, the obvious signs of a concussion are, are obvious. What happens though that's just the primary injury and what happens is it sets off all these biochemical cascades that continue to burn and churn through the brain and continue to kill off more and more brain cells over minutes hours weeks days years i would even argue decades like what we see in cte and if you think about it as chronic inflammation if you don't correct that underlying inflammation, those problems are going to occur. And that's why we're seeing, you know, CTE, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and people like Muhammad Ali and some of the NFL players that we're observing these days. One of the questions we're getting from parents is, and I'm assuming that, you know, their children have played, let's say, football. And maybe they had an episode where they had a concussion. Maybe they had a couple concussions. They were pulled off the field at a young age, and they don't go back and play those sports and don't have injuries. They're doing well. They're in their you know, late teens, 20s. Is this something they need to worry about, that they had an injury when they were young, and then they did not continue to have further injury? Do we have that kind of knowledge? We don't have that kind of knowledge, but we can infer a number of things. But, you know, it, actually, I'm going to maybe go slightly off topic, and I would say, like, with our teenagers, one of the things that really concerns me and our youth is, you know, a kid that was a straight-A student that now all of a sudden, no explanation, you didn't know there was a concussion or whatever, but a straight-A student that's now 
struggling in classes or even failing classes and, and personality changes. you got to be worried about one of two things, and in my opinion as a physician is either drugs or a traumatic brain injury or concussion. So that's something to keep an eye out for. So if you see a change, and is that something that's reversible later in life? Uh, do these kids get past that, get beyond it? I mean, I, we're going to talk a little bit about some ideas you have to, to try to get through these things, but is that something as the years go on, they don't have repeat injuries, they can maybe get that some of those functions and maybe the ability to do English or math or whatever back again to a greater extent? Well, absolutely. And, you know, that's where I differ from 99.9% of physicians out there is that I absolutely believe that there is things you can do to help people recover or at least recover or optimize the recovery of brain injury and concussion. And so there's certain things that we can do. The idea that only time will heal the brain, that needs to go out with the Vikings, you know, like the Nordic Vikings, like 500, 800 years ago. We're a little bit more advanced than that, and there are things we can do, and we can do it from the inside out. And it gets to that concept of you are what you eat. And nutrition, I think, has been undervalued in this whole arena, which is where I am trying to make the big difference. I'm talking with Dr. Michael Lewis. He's the author of When Brains Collide, What Every Athlete and Parent Should Know About the Prevention and Treatment of Concussions and Head Injuries. Now, certainly we can talk about prevention, not a bad idea, but but clearly getting your child away of traumatizing events if they're getting repeat injuries, that's probably your first step, right? Well, it is. And I often say that I think, especially with our younger kids, where you don't have athletic trainers on the field and, you know, at high school level, sometimes more frequently there are, but when you're talking about younger than high school, I think it's every parent's duty. If you're on the sidelines and you see a collision and and they just sort of play on, I I think it's a parent's duty to stop the game and pull a kid out. I mean, it's better to be safe. And what kills people, literally, is what we call the second impact syndrome. So you have one injury, the brain's now revved up trying to figure it out and repair itself and the metabolism of the brain and all those biochemical cascades are in full force. And then you have a second injury on top of that, and it can be literally devastating. It'd be life-threatening. So we we get past that. We assume people are using common sense, and that's a big assumption, but we assume. Um, And now now we get into the period of time where someone has sustained a concussion, and maybe they're off the field of play. They've seen their physician. They've done necessary testing if it is. Maybe they've even done impact testing prior, those sorts of things. What do you suggest as far as dietary, lifestyle changes, things that can make a difference in the short and long run? Well, there are two big areas that I'll cover. One area is this concept of go be in a dark room, take away the electronics, you know, complete bed rest kind of thing for two weeks is absolutely outdated. And fortunately, guidelines are starting to come out completely overturning that. It is really important for people to get and continue or continue their aerobic exercise and in fact you know some colleges and other institutions are putting their athletes on a treadmill or on a bike to do aerobic exercise for 20 to 30 minutes even as early as the day after concussion and so activity is really really important and the worst thing you could do to a teenager is take away their phone their interaction with their peers and so if they're not in school because they can't handle the cognitive stress of school, the worst thing you can do is isolate them socially. And so studies are coming out showing that that's a complete wrong way to go. The whole dark room, take away the electronics, all has to be done in moderation for sure. 
Okay, and what about diet? What sorts of things? I know you are a big fan from what, at least in your book, you talk about therapeutic doses of omega-3 rich fish oil and those sorts of things. Well, you know, the brain's made of fat, and about 30% of those fats are omega-3 fatty acids. And it's hard to have a discussion about omega-3s without also talking about omega-6s. So omega-6s are ubiquitous throughout our entire food supply. And our body developed over tens of thousands of years to where it was meant to be a balance between the pro-inflammatory omega-6s and the, relatively speaking, anti-inflammatory omega-3s. And we've become so out of balance. I, I did one study looking at suicide in the military, and we came up, we showed there was a ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 of 25 to 1. So it's no longer a fair fight. And so you want to decrease the omega-6 intake, but that's really hard to do with our current food supply. On the other side of the coin, you can rapidly increase the, by the way, decreasing the omega-6s takes months or years. When you're dealing with a head injury, you're not talking two years out. You're talking about what can I do now? And what you can do now is rapidly improve the omega-3 status to balance those omega-6s, and you get the side effects of more energy, thinking clearer, headaches disappear or decrease, and all the things that we're trying to, to achieve with concussion care. Now, when you talk about omega-3s, I mean, it's pretty scientifically shown there's a lot of advantages to taking them for a wide variety of reasons. So in the event this isn't as good as you say, or studies don't support it, whatever you want to do, it's still there's probably a lot of positives to taking it anyway. I would think you're advising patients something that's going to have a lot of benefits across the board. Right. There's no downside. And, you know, one of the things that doctors will routinely say is, oh, it increases your risk of bleeding. It doesn't, you know, and in fact, a number of surgery programs around the country, Oregon Health Sciences University, for example, they require their patients prior to surgery to be on omega-3s because they find that the outcomes are so much better. And so we got to put this concept of it's going to cause bleeding or put you more at risk. We got to put that concept to rest. What have I not asked you, things that you want to talk about here that, that we should really talk about when we're talking about concussions, recovery from concussions and those things? Two things that I can think of. One is Julian Bales, who is the neurosurgeon that a lot of people might recognize from the movie Concussion. His character was played by Alec Baldwin. He and I published a position paper, basically, in military medicine three, four years ago that basically said that athletes and soldiers people at risk of concussion should be on a standard general, you know, FDA generally recognized a safe level of omega-3s every single day to improve the resilience of the brain to withstand injury in the first place and have the right amount of omega-3s on board already if an injury does occur. And so I think, for, you know, ahead of time as a baseline, and what are we talking generally recognized safe is 3,000 milligrams of combined EPA and DHA, the two long-chain omega-3s. So not flaxseed, but, you know, the long-chain omega-3s. And when you're talking about some other things in other areas, what about someone who did experience concussion? Maybe they were a high school, college athlete, and they're now in their 40s. Is there a benefit right at that I age? Absolutely. I mean, I, I've dealt with NFL Hall of Fame players in their 60s and 70s, and I routinely make an improvement or the person will feel an improvement within two or three days of taking a much higher dose. So if we say 3,000 milligrams is what they say is generally recognized as safe, and then, by the way, in Europe, it's twice that amount, 
So let's stick with the 3,000 in the U.S. FDA that tells us. I consider that a dose. And when somebody has an injury, what I want to do is I want to ramp up their omega-3 intake very quickly. It's kind of a loading dose, but it's got to be done over time. So I actually triple that. I tell people, take that 3,000 milligram dose, but take it three times a day for at least a week. And if it's an older injury, an older person that, say, like played football 20 years ago or in a bad car accident, is I often have people put them on it for a month before I get down to that sort of standard dose. I know your background. We only have about a minute. You were in the military for about over 30 years, and you trained at Tulane, and you were at Walter Reed. Was the military background and seeing the effects of brain injuries, is that what got you more interested in it? Was it something you were interested in all along? Well, no, it's all fairly recent being, you know, with the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and knowing that neurosurgeons are doing all this great acute care, but we didn't really have anything to help soldiers recover in the long term. And I'll just throw in, because I know we're short on time, is the other thing that I'm finding more recently in the last year is cannabidiol or CBD derived from hemp seems to just you combine the two, omega-3s and hemp-derived CBD works unbelievable with patients. It really is accelerating the recovery of my patients. Well, I know a lot of our listeners are going to be interested in finding out more. Our guest is Dr. Michael Lewis, and you can check out his website. It's brainhealtheducation.org, right? That's where people can go? That, that would be, yeah. So when I retired from the military, I started brainhealtheducation.org, a 501c3 nonprofit. And you can find the book, When Brains Collide, which is a compilation of all of this and more. You can find it on Amazon or at whenbrainscollide.com. Dr. Michael Lewis, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary Care today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, hopefully we'll help out one or two people out there, so... Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear this or you missed part of it, you want to hear it again, you can check out our podcast. Obviously, you can get it at reachmd.com. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. Thanks for joining us.